All right, well, the sun is creeping in on us here, <clears throat> trying to escape it. Uh, we were all asking for the sun, and uh, now it's causing problems with our, the Calvary Chapel recording studio, but uh, we'll figure something out, or I should probably say Roger will, and I'll just uh, help him move stuff around. That's the way it goes here. Uh, this is actually round two tonight. We've already uh, been uh, about halfway through tonight. We had problems with the sound, and, and, and Roger thought it probably wouldn't be best for me to sound like a robot uh, on YouTube. Uh, so we had to start over, which is fine. Uh, so yeah, so let me uh, get into some prayer requests real quick. Uh, we all know that uh, Rick Schnabel has had COVID-19. He has since recovered. He's out of the hospital. He's doing well. Um, he still has some recovery to do, but he's definitely turned the corner and, and uh, feeling good. But his wife, Virginia, uh, apparently has it too, and, uh, and she has many of the same symptoms. She hasn't been tested, but uh, it's just safe to assume that that's what she has. Uh, she, um, she is feeling better, and Rick thinks that she's, um, she's coming out of the woods too. But continue to pray for them that they would fully recover and feel well and, uh, and be able just to get outside and enjoy all of the sunshine. Also, to keep you uh, up to date with our missionaries, I just spoke with Bethany about an hour ago and she's asking for prayer. She's been studying the life of Joseph with a, uh, a young Muslim woman there where she is. And now that, that Muslim girl has been sharing the story with her family and there's a lot of discussion going on and so... Uh, Bethany is praying that their hearts would be opened to the gospel, uh, as we will be praying as well, um, and also that her time there with them uh, would remain safe, as at any time they could, uh, they could turn on her, they could turn her in, and uh, so be praying for her. Uh, Aaron and Dama have had plenty of illness in their home, not related to COVID-19, just snivels and, and things like that. Uh, it's just a, another burden to carry in the midst of all that's going on, so please pray for them. Uh, Marcos is doing well. Uh, every time I talk to him, he's just talking about hunkering down and uh, getting out when they can, uh, but they're doing well. But we want to continue to pray for them uh, as they try to minister to uh, the family there. Also, people have been asking about the material welfare of our church family. Uh, I haven't heard of anyone yet that is struggling financially. Uh, most families have at least one working member, and, uh, and if no one is working uh, at this point, as far as I've heard, uh, they're, they're receiving a reasonable amount of unemployment. But uh, we wanna pray for them, and uh, I'll keep you posted on all the needs that arise. Uh, people have been calling me, and I just don't have a whole bunch to report yet. Uh, but I do think that the, the days are coming uh, when they're gonna need our help, whether people in our church or outside of our church, especially as the economy is going to struggle to recover and uh, more and more people are out of jobs. I, I read today that 6.4 million people have um, registered for unemployment. So I wanna pray for our nation and continue to pray for our leaders. Uh, pray for Roger and myself. Um, I, I have a desire in my heart to... Uh, to minister better, more effectively to the church family. And I just don't know how to do that under the circumstances, but uh, I believe the Lord does. So pray for us, for some vision, for some clarity, and, uh, and we'll be obedient with whatever the Lord says. So, um, Also, 
uh, as you know, we've taken a break from our, our regular Thursday night study, which is a Bible survey, so that we can work through Romans chapter uh, 12, verses 9 through 21 in, a, in more of a devotional fashion. We're doing one verse a night. And, uh, and as, as you probably know, many of us have started memorizing this section. Uh, it's not too late to do that. You've got plenty of time to memorize it. Uh, it's a fairly easy section to memorize, uh, and I know you can do it. Uh, as a family, we've been using it for our, our morning worship and, uh, and then just asking God for grace to make these things more and more practical in our family life. So I encourage you to, uh, if you have nothing for family devotions, uh, incorporate these things and, and uh, just do it together with the rest of the family. So let's go ahead and begin, and uh, I'll be reading the whole section to you out of the English Standard Version, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, all the way to the end of the chapter. Paul tells us, he says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, and outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. And serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head." Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's go ahead and pray again. Father, we thank you, Lord. Um, I thank you, first of all, for the sunshine. It does have a way of um, lifting our spirits, and uh, it's giving us an opportunity to get out, and uh, for us parents, especially, to spend time with our kids outdoors. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for all of your bounty that you have granted to us, Lord especially in your word and in, in the gospel. But Lord, all of our provisions, we're so thankful. And Lord, I pray that as we work through this section of scripture, uh, devotionally, Lord, that you would help us by your grace to work them out practically. Uh, Lord, for our own uh, sanctity, Lord, but also for the good of those that are around us. So Lord, just grant grace, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll return to verse 12 with me. Uh, again, Paul says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. And I think right now, as you guys have been reading headlines, uh, it seems like every uh, headline is about, somehow about COVID-19 and, uh, and the distress that the world is in. We're always seeing the death toll. Rarely are we seeing the numbers of people that are recovering. We know that they are. Uh, we have one in our own ranks that has recovered, uh, two rather. 
And uh, so I think that right now, with the world as it is around us, uh, that now is a good time to talk about hope and patience, or as we'll see, endurance, uh, and then an, and prayer. Now, as we look at the verse, uh, I'd like to start out by talking about hope as a Christian attribute, one of the, the characteristics of those in the faith. I want to look at what hope is not, because there is some confusion in our world about that, and then what the Bible says about hope. So let's first look at uh, hope as a Christian attribute or a characteristic. Uh, in the verse, the verb rejoice is connected to hope, uh, but it's written in the present tense. Uh, it, it's hope that doesn't stop rejoicing. So when it comes to rejoicing in hope, there's, there's no taking a break. Uh, rejoicing in hope is, is just what Christians do. Paul is telling us how Christians should behave at all times, regardless of our circumstances, without actually commanding us to do these things. Uh, there's, there's actually no mandate here in the original language, but what Paul is doing is he's sending a strong message to the reader, to the Christian reader, uh, that this is how Christians ought to behave. This is just how we are, uh, regardless of what's going on around us in the world. And what's interesting is the whole section here is much like the Beatitudes that we find in Matthew chapter five, verses one through 11. And, and what is interesting about that is in all of this description that Jesus is providing about the character and the attributes of the people of faith is he doesn't give a single command until verse 12. And so these Beatitudes come to us in uh, Jesus' sermon that they are the attributes that should characterize God's people, it, their disposition uh, in all circumstances, uh, what ought to be true of the community of faith. Uh, these are the things that should distinguish us uh, from the rest of the world as a unique or peculiar people. Romans 12, 9 through 21 is really similar to this. And so if an outsider were to come and to live among us and to study our disposition, our habits, and our faith during various difficulties and circumstances, these are the things that he would document about us. We hope. He ought to document those things. And therefore, uh, our current distress because of the virus should not alter the nature of our hope but should be, be observed rejoicing as it was before. Joyful hope is an attribute. It's a, a characteristic of Christianity that is unmoved by circumstances because the Christian knows that his or her hope is fixed. And so hope is just what we do. And we'll talk about why in a little bit. Let's address what hope is not. Uh, this is important because biblical hope is what is actually needed, but that's not what most people have. People call it hope, but it's really something else. And whatever people confuse hope for, there are at least two things that hope should never be mistaken for. So first, hope is not hope in hope itself. And second, hope is not the power of positive thinking, as I've heard many times. So first, let's look at, at why hope is not hope and hope itself or having hope for the sake of having hope. Everyone is talking about hope right now. Uh, we just need to have hope, they say. 
We hope we don't get the virus. We hope that people don't die. We hope to flatten the curve. We hope the economy will recover. We hope to have things normal again. And these are all good things to hope for, and you'd be rotten not to hope for them. But this is more like optimism than hope. This is having hope in hope itself, as if hope were some kind of entity of its own that could somehow secure what we're hoping for or what is desired. We're hoping people get well, of course, but we have to understand there's no power in hope itself. That's just optimistic sentimentalism, which is okay, but it's, it's just not hope. We hear people talk about the power of prayer in the same way, as if prayer was something in itself that possessed the power to secure results. Uh, we hear people say to friends and, and loved ones who are sick or they're earned, injured, we're sending you our thoughts, our prayers. We're sending them your way. So great, now thoughts are added to the list of things that possess power. So please understand that this is nothing more than sentimental gesture with a maximum effect of encouraging someone, which is good, but it's just not hope. If you're going to send prayers my way, by the way, uh, just make sure your prayers come to me via the throne of grace uh, where God gets to decide if he will honor the request or not. Yeah, this, this whole sentiment works this way. If we desire a particular result sincerely enough and long enough, perhaps we'll get lucky, so let's just all join in the hope. But in reality, generic hope is not that hopeful. Hope is not hope in hope itself. Neither is hope the power of positive thinking, which was popularized, I believe, in the, the 70s or something in California. Uh, what's not popularized in California? Um, now, again, it's not that positive thinking is bad in itself. It's good to be positive. It's, it's the Eeyore, it's the negative Nancy that no one appreciates. But nonetheless, there is no real power in positive thinking alone. Just because I bring my thoughts into a positive frame of mind does not guarantee a positive result. I can't will things into existence by my positive thinking. Uh, thoughts alone do, do not somehow produce or alter reality. Or as the new age people say, it's all about positive energy. And the more positive energy applied to your thoughts, the more like your hopes will become reality. And I would say, well, dream on. Positive thinking is good as long as we're thinking about the right thing, understanding that our thoughts alone can never secure what we desire or somehow alter our reality. People say you just have to think positively, but they fail to point, to you, point you rather to anything that is worth hoping in. Uh, they point you to things to hope for, uh, a desired result, but results are not an end in themselves, and thoughts by themselves cannot secure those things. It's called a false hope. And if you have a false hope, it won't matter how much you exert yourself in flowery thoughts or how hard you meditate. It will never yield what is desired. Hope is not wishful thinking. What is hope then? Well, we might say uh, for a biblical definition, that biblical hope is the confident expectation that is based upon the character of God as it is revealed in his word. You see, God's character, if it is trustworthy, his promises are sure. Our hope then is not in hope itself. It's not simply expecting a positive end. Our hope is in the person of God and in the veracity of his word. True hope must first be in someone and not just for something. Otherwise, we're back to hoping in hope 
in wishful thinking. Hope must be in the person of God who can respond to our hope. Just as love uh, needs an object to return its affection, hope needs an object who can actually respond to our confident expectation. But hope cannot be the object of hope itself because there's no power in hope. All power resides in God. And it's only because of God's unchanging character that we can be certain of our hope. According to the scriptures, all of our hope and every promised result is in the hands of an all-loving, all-wise, and all-powerful God who cannot break his promises. That's reassuring. Paul said that God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He cannot behave contrary to his own nature. 2 Timothy 2.13 And in the context of God's faithfulness to his promises, Paul said that it's impossible for God to lie. That's Titus chapter one, verse two, and Hebrews chapter six, verse 18. It's impossible for God to lie because his nature is fixed. It's unchanging. He's immutable, so he can't change from one thing to another. He can't be faithful one minute and unfaithful the next. He is who he is, and therefore he is always unchangeably faithful. Our hope rests in this reality, not in what I want reality to be, but in the reality that is eternally rooted in God. So God himself is the object of our hope. We don't hope in hope, we hope in God, which makes our hope an intimate one. It's a relational hope. And the results we're hoping for are according to the promises of God, which are many, but primarily the resurrection and transformation of our bodies. And second, it's the inheritance of eternal life. And then it's being in the presence of God for eternity, where David said there are pleasures forevermore and joy everlasting, Psalm 16, 11. Here's how hope works. The reality of God and his promises eclipse everything we endure here on earth. And the expectation of those things, as they're guaranteed by a sovereign God, enable us to rejoice now in the midst of struggle and uncertainty. This is what Paul was saying when he said, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet inward, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So Paul Paul told the Corinthians this to direct their hope to something real and something worthy of their hope. Again, Paul said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, 
But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance or patience. Romans 8, 18 through 25. And Paul is saying all of creation, including the believer's body, will be delivered from the curse of sin and then be ushered into the glorious presence of God. That is our confident expectation. And because our hope looks to God and his promises, we can bear under our difficulties with patience, which is the next Christian attribute mentioned by Paul. He says, be patient in tribulation. Now, the word tribulation means affliction. Uh, It can mean anguish or trouble, distress, uh, that can be caused by any number of things like illness or financial difficulty, pain, persecution. And then the word patient means to endure, to persevere, to bear up under. So here in the text, it means to endure suffering of some kind, maybe persecution, maybe rejection, something unpleasant for sure. To be patient in tribulation then is to be Christian. To be patient, to endure, to persevere in tribulation is what it is to be Christian, which is another thing that should be observed in those who profess faith in Jesus. So if we begin by hoping in the God of hope, resting our confidence in his character and promises, we can endure our troubles with patience to God's intended end. Hope draws our attention to the beauty of what lies beyond the ugliness here so we can persevere with spiritual integrity and godliness. Finally, Paul says, be constant in prayer. Now, every translation, every major one, the word constant is translated differently, which is great because there's so many fitting synonyms in English for this. The New King James has continuing steadfastly in prayer. The NIV says faithful in prayer. And the, New, the NASB says devoted to prayer. And all of these translations give the idea of being persistent in one's prayer. And persistent would also make a fine translation of the Greek word. We could also turn to 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, where Paul said to a persecuted church, pray without ceasing. Our communion with God in prayer should be constantly attended to. Now, the implication of this whole verse gives the idea of opposition, of trouble and difficulty. Paul doesn't say uh, which it is. He just mentions the Christian virtues that should thrive in the face of adversity. But prayer uh, stands out in a a unique way because hope and patience are the most difficult things to maintain when life is troublesome, whereas prayer is often stimulated by difficulty. If there's one thing that generates more faithful prayer, it's the troubles that come our way. When a child is in a hospital and their mortality hangs in the balance, we turn to prayer, we plead with God. When there's no food on the table and no money for bills, we petition our king. If we, if we ever faced brutal persecution, we would quickly turn to prayer. And that's exactly what God is looking for. Uh, he wants us in his presence, uh, seeking his face and, and uh, petitioning him for his grace in time of need. So when other virtues are wanting, Prayer often thrives, which is good because it's by constant fellowship with God 
in prayer that invigorates our patience and adds joy to our hope when times are tough. So when everything else is failing, start praying and the God of hope will be with you, guaranteed. Now in the the Bible commentary by Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, uh, famous commentators from the the 1800s, they, they sum up this verse with these words. They say, in hope, rejoicing. In tribulation, enduring. In prayer, persevering. Each of these exercises helps the other. If our hope of glory is so assured that it is a rejoicing hope, we shall find the spirit of endurance and tribulation natural and easy. But since it is prayer which strengthens the faith that begets hope and lifts it up into an assured and joyful expectancy, and since our patience in tribulation is fed by this, it will be seen that all depends on our perseverance in prayer. In our current distress, the world needs the source of our hope. They don't need just hope right now. They need the source of our hope, who is Jesus. So, let your hope in Christ shine like the sun. Let your hope be so obvious that people get curious with questions. Let them observe your patience and your endurance, and then be prepared to give them an answer for the hope that is in you, who is Christ Jesus, our hope of glory. Now to end, let me give you a benediction from Paul, from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, um, panic and fear, they're not Christian virtues. We have a Father in heaven who loves us, but he's not just all-loving, he is all-powerful. He's all-wise. He knows the best way to secure results for his loved ones. And because he's all-powerful, there's nothing that could possibly stop him from securing those results. Lord, for these reasons, we should have extreme hope. We should celebrate and rejoice in our hope because this life is not all that there is. It's temporary, it's not eternal. And so, Lord, I pray that by your grace, you would change us, Lord, that we would be people of hope that celebrate and that, Lord, as as times grow difficult, as I'm sure it will with the way that the economy is going, Lord, we need to, to persevere, we need to endure, we need to be patient. We need to be preserved in our godly integrity, Lord, so that we would be useful for your glory, uh, fit for your use in a world that is so troubled. And so, Lord, just embed your word in our hearts, fill us with your spirit, and uh, make us useful, more useful to the world uh, that is falling apart. And uh, so, yeah. So, Lord, help us to serve your glory. Help us to honor you, we pray. And um, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, we we love you. We miss you tremendously. Uh, We look forward to seeing you and uh, just just ask for God's blessing upon your life uh, until we're back together. Thank you. Amen.